welcome to another episode of Experiencing Motherhood Single and Black. I am your host, Kim, and I'm so excited that you decided to tune in and listen. If this is your very first time, welcome. If you are part of the community here, welcome back. If you missed out on the last episode, we talked about the ages you should talk about money with your kids. So starting as early as three to five, just depending on when they start counting. And this week, we are talking all about how you can build wealth as a single mom and make sure your kids are okay if something happens to you. But before we do, a few weeks ago, I polled some of you to see if you would be interested in trying out a meal prep service. Not a meal prep kit service, but an actual meal prep service. And most of you were interested. So today I want to introduce you to our sponsor, Freshly. Freshly lives at the intersection of health and convenience, providing people with fully prepared nutritious meals that make it easy to eat healthy. They deliver healthy, never frozen, chef prepared meals to your doorstep that you can heat and eat in under three minutes. I got a chance to get my order in and have it delivered and I was amazed. I received my order about two weeks after ordering. I opened up the box and there was insulation inside and an ice pack to keep the meals cool. I then put them in the refrigerator until I was ready to heat them up. Now, of course, I did check the labels to see what type of ingredients was in the food and how many calories the meals had. All of that is there on the back and ingredients, you can actually read what they are. I know eating healthy is hard if you're busy, especially trying to manage the kids. Go get groceries, put the groceries up, leave the things out that you need to cook with, actually cook the meal, then clean up the kitchen. It's a lot. I get it. Each Freshly meal features a balance of complex carbs, nutrient-dense ingredients, and quality proteins, which keep you full of energy and feeling good. Eating healthy can require so much of your time and or money. It's not your fault that you settle on easy recipes, processed foods, or fast food. Now listen, The best time for you to start eating healthier was yesterday. The second best time is today. Now, I want to tell you about what you'll get by trying Freshly. You will have access to a rotated menu of meals crafted by a team of chefs, culinary scientists, and nutritionists. Now, I was able to go onto their website and pick out the meals that I wanted to order. So you have quite a few to choose from and each meal follows Freshly's food philosophy. Great taste, which I can attest to, low sugar, fewer processed foods, and more nutrients. You will pay between $7.99 to $11.50 per meal depending on how many meals you order. So the more you order, the more you save. Meals are packaged so they stay fresh for up to a week without having to freeze them. Meals just need to be microwaved for three minutes or less and they come out tasting like they're fresh out of the kitchen. And there's no real cleanup. All you have to do is throw that container in the garbage. So go ahead and try it out. Visit tryfreshly.com forward slash experiencing motherhood. 
Again, that's try freshly, F-R-E-S-H-L-Y dot com forward slash experiencing motherhood and save $15 off your first week. Now I'll put that link in the show notes so that you can have easy access to it. And if you've been thinking about eating healthier, but you haven't tried it yet, you have three options. You can continue with your current diet, spend hours cooking complex healthy recipes each week, or you can let Freshly deliver you healthy, delicious meals each week that take under three minutes to prep. I think that one is a no-brainer. I want to apologize in advance that there may be some beeping sounds due to Saida's smoke detector. So please bear with us and enjoy the episode. Hi, Saida. Welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you on. How are you doing? I am doing amazing. Thank you so much, Kim, for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Can you take a moment to just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. So my name is Saida Garrett. I am the CEO and founder of Young and Financially Lit, which is an organization whose mission it is to promote economic stability across our communities through financial literacy. So super excited about that. Uh, My previous career, I come from a background of business strategy. So I did that for several years for um, multiple Fortune 100 companies. I then went on to become a director at a financial firm, which I still do in our private practice and now um, launching Young Financially Lit, really focusing on how to be able to do holistic financial literacy for the everyday person. Awesome. Thank you so much for that introduction. So I told you previously that on the podcast, we've talked about budgeting, saving, and debt freedom, but I thought it was important for us to have a conversation about building wealth. We know financial stability is a basic building block of happy families, and unfortunately for single moms, it is solely their responsibility. Although we have discussed these things, what should we be doing before we start investing? Should we be building a budget and an emergency fund? What does that look like? Yeah, so that's a good question. So investing is always like the sexy part, and that's the part that everybody wants to get to, the part that everybody you know, is so excited. It's like the promised land. But way before you get to investing, there are definitely some things that you should have in place to make sure that um, as you're investing, if things go south, if things don't turn out well, you know, whether it's a business, it's the stock market, you know, it's always up and down. You want to be able to have certain things in place to make sure that you know, no matter what happened with those investments, you're going to be okay. So the first thing is when you talk about building what we call a proper financial foundation, the first thing is protection. And that is protecting your income source. So your ability to make money and your ability to make money can be impacted by, you know, a few different ways. So one, it can be impacted by you not having a job. You know, it can be, you know, it can be impacted by you no longer being here. So passing away prematurely, and it can also be impacted by you getting sick or disabled and not being able to work. So that's the first thing, you know, you want to make sure that you are protecting your money source, which is you, especially as a single mom, you know, if you know, something happens to you, everything else goes down. So we got to secure you first. After that, then we can talk about how to reduce your liabilities, which are your debts. Definitely before you get into investing, you know, you don't have to be debt free, but you definitely want to have a plan for how to manage your debts. And it's better for your debt to be in control versus out of control. 
having an emergency fund, at least three to six months worth of savings. You don't have to wait again until you have a full emergency fund, but definitely you wanna have something in savings. I recommend doing those three things before you get to the sexy part, which is investing. Awesome. Now you said we have to protect our money source. What does that actually look like? What does protection look like? Yeah, so protecting your money source is putting insurance on yourself. And so we protect a lot of things. You know, we have insurance on our cell phones, on our house, on our cars, on all those things. But most people don't have insurance on what, you know, is their most valuable asset, which is themselves. And so having proper protection means that, you know, if something happens to you, especially as a single mom, that you can cover your debts because your debts don't go away. You know, somebody has to pay for them and they typically get passed down to your next of kin, which could be your children, your husband, your spouse, your family, so forth. Then you want to have enough um, protection or insurance to replace your income. Meaning that if you pass away too soon, you still have that responsibility as a mom to, or as a parent, should I say, to take care of your child. And I always say, I never want to be anybody, I never want my daughter to be anybody's Cinderella story. You know, I want to make sure that the only thing they have to do for her is love her. You know, that's it. And, um, you know, it, it costs a lot to raise children. And so you want to be able to protect, you want to be able to protect that. So you want to have at least 10 times worth your income or your salary in insurance protection. Also, if you get sick or disabled, you know, Kim, I don't know if you know anyone who's ever had to live off a disability or try to manage, you know, got sick or something like that, but it's very hard. You know, my mom uh, was got disabled when I was in middle school. And so five children, single mom, trying to make it off a disability that was very hard so you want to have something that protects your income or replaces your income you know if something happens and you can't actually perform your job you want to be able to um, pay off your house or your mortgage and then finally you want to leave your children something whether that's to help them go to school so they don't have to have sally may knocking on their door yes. you know whether that's the, <laughs> you know we all wish that you know for those who have student loans that you know that wasn't something that we had maybe buy their first property, you know, allow them to pick up where you left off in life versus having to repeat the will. So um, having enough life insurance should uh, be enough to meet all those needs we just talked about. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much for breaking that down for me. I appreciate it. And I do know somebody who has lived off of disability, and I will say that it is hard. So this is very important. Now, would you get into talking about you know, whole versus term, or is that something that should be like discussed with the financial advisor? In our private practice, we are a fully licensed functioning financial firm. So I actually train and develop financial advisors. Um, okay. I like to call them new age financial advisors so that they can uh, be able to provide the latest and the greatest that the industry has, as well as be able to connect and actually relate to the, the you know, new age consumer. You yeah. know, we're not, we're not our parents. So when it comes to buying life insurance, you have two options. You can either buy temporary life insurance, which is like renting a home. You're going to have it for a period of time, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, you know, 35 years. And at that point in time, that coverage will expire or you will get the option to renew it. And just like renting, if you renew your lease once it's up, what happens to the price? You, go. you know, it's, it's <laughs> going to go up. It's going to go up. And so um, that's term insurance. But it is very it is very affordable to get into, and it has its perks. 
especially if you are young, you aren't necessarily where you want to be financially, you have a lot of responsibility, that is always, you know, a good option to have. So that's your temporary insurance. And then you have what's called permanent insurance. Permanent insurance is more so like buying a home. It costs you a little bit more to get into, but once you're in it, it's yours for the rest of your life. No one can take it from you as long as you're paying your premiums on time, the same way as long as you're paying your mortgage on time. And the same way that your home can appreciate and value, your permanent life insurance policy can also accumulate cash value inside of it. And that cash value can be used for a lot of different things that many people aren't aware of, whether it's retirement supplement, helping your kids go to college and, you know, emergency fund, investing. There's so many different things. So those are the two types of insurance. And under each of those, obviously, you have, you know, different buckets and, and so forth. But, you know, you really want to make sure that you have something in place and something that you own, meaning that it's not from your job. Yeah, it's that not, was gonna be my next question. <laughs> you know, you definitely want it to be something that that you own. Um, and I always say the best insurance is the one that works when you need it. So as long as you're doing something that is um, feasible for you and your family at the time, never allow anybody, any you know, um, financial advisor, insurance agent, you know, whatever the case may be, to pressure you into going one way or the other. You want to know all of your options and they should be giving you all of your options. Plus, they should be able to provide you with the new and updated options. Nobody should be giving you old insurance. You know, they definitely should be offering you and talking to you about the new, the latest and greatest. Okay, awesome. Thank you again for that breakdown. Now, can we pay off debt, invest, and build wealth all at the same time? Is that possible? Yes. You know, that is what you should be doing. You know, I always say, you know, when it comes to building wealth and having a good financial footholding, it's being able to do all of them at the same time. It's kind of like spinning plates, if you think of it that way. Have you ever seen a person that has like the sticks and they're spinning plates? You know, you're going to give attention to one of them a little bit more at the t- at a time but you know you definitely should be doing them simultaneously so even if your main focus is paying off debt it doesn't give you an excuse not to save and invest I always say you know if you're going to focus on paying down your debt you need to be saving simultaneously because if you don't when life happens and we know that life is you know guaranteed to happen you're going to go right back into debt because you never took the opportunity to save And then when it comes to investing, you have something called opportunity costs, meaning that an opportunity is only good during the lifetime of the opportunity. So if you see an investment that's happening right now, you know, for example, the stock market is, it's a great time to buy in the stock market. If you wait until the five years where you get out of debt, it may not be a great time to buy anymore in the stock market. You understand? So you also run the risk of losing the opportunity that's present. You know, um, for example, today in our private investing group, we, we came across a new stock, a new company, and we purchased it. And someone said, you know, well, how much of, how much of it are you, are you purchasing? And I said, well, it doesn't matter really based on where you are. Even if you purchase just one share, that one share is a lot better than purchasing no shares. Right. And so I try to encourage people in our, our private investing group that even if it's one share, it's 10 shares or 20, you just want to take advantage of the opportunity that makes sense for where you are. Awesome. 
Now, is there anything you recommend investing in to see a return sooner? You know, some people have this mindset, they want to get started investing and they want to see the return fast. But then you have people that say you have to be in it for the long haul. So what is your advice to those people? They want to get started, but they're like, what can they put their money in to see a return faster? Yeah, so I would say the best thing that you can put your money in and invest in, see the fastest return on it is yourself. And that's investing in you. You know, whether that is personal development, a business, something, you know, that's where you're going to see the fastest return. However, when it comes to money, there's something called the rule of 72. And money is math, right? One plus one equals two. So the best thing that can happen to money is money over time. I always tell my clients, you know, if anybody's talking to you about a get rich quick, um, you know, anything like that, just remember that the faster money comes, what? The faster it goes. Okay. <laughs> Whether, you know, you've seen that in movies where you got like, you know, different illegal activities happening and you see, you know, the rise and the fall, or, you know, you're getting paid every week. And you know, as soon as you get money in, money is going out. So the faster it comes in, the faster it goes. So you really want that money to be growing and developing over time. But if you want to see a faster return, the best thing you can ever invest in is is in yourself and your goals, your dreams, um, building you, promoting you, starting a business. That's where you're going to see a faster return. That's good. That's real good. I I bet they're not going to be looking to (laughs) for that type of answer, but I love it. Now, um, a lot of single moms, they don't actually have a plan for their money, right? So what do you have to say about that? Do we need to have a financial plan in place? Do we need to be setting financial goals for each year, each pay period? What does that look like? Yeah, so everybody should have a plan for their money. And i tell you one thing, especially as a a single mom, if you don't have a plan for your money, somebody else has a plan for it. You know, somebody is looking to spend it, to to grab a hold of it. And you know, everybody is coming after your money. You, You look at advertisements, right? They want you to buy their shoes, their clothes, their products, you know, whatever the case may be, everybody is trying to get a plan for your money. So if you don't put a plan in place for your money, you know, you're never going to get to where you're trying to go. So when you talk about Kim setting goals, you should be setting goals every single year and reevaluating those goals um, at least once a quarter, you know, at least once a quarter reevaluating those goals when it comes to achieving your financial um, success or wherever it is you're trying to go. So I always say money is the best employee. Every last penny, cent, and dime needs a job, okay? Money doesn't get mad at you. It doesn't call out sick. It doesn't need a babysitter. It doesn't give you an attitude. Money never gets tired. So if you can learn how to put money to work, money will become your best friend and most importantly, your best employee. That's good. That's real good. So what about if those moms actually need help planning where their money will go or setting those goals? Do you recommend a financial advisor or a financial planner, are they actually the same thing or are they different? So I definitely recommend sitting down with someone and talking about your financial goals. If you can sit down with a financial advisor, a financial planner, there's tons of different titles. They all mean the same thing. Um, You know, it's a financial coach, you know, somebody who is going to be able to educate you about money 
and put a plan into place that is customized to your goals, your needs. So in our practice, in our firm, you know, we're very, very big on making sure that we are customizing whatever solution we have to the client's goal. I strongly, strongly, strongly do not believe in a one size fits all solution for everybody. You know, if somebody is giving you blanket advice, general advice, that doesn't apply to you because everybody is different. You know, Kim, you may want a Ferrari. I may want a private jet. Somebody else may want a Toyota Camry, which <laughs> by the way, that was my first dream car, right? A Toyota, I was like, my Lord, if I could just get a Toyota Camry, I'll be on top of the world, right? Everybody's goals and dreams are different. So your plan has to be customized to you. And so when you're sitting down with a financial advisor or a planner or whatever, you want to make sure that they're really spending time talking about what you want, what your goals are, and the recommendations that they are providing, that those recommendations are helping you get to where you want to go, not to where they want you to be right? Not to where they're trying to push a sale or a commission, but mm -hmm. truly helping you arrive at what's important to you. That's where you're going to find the most success. That's where you are going to feel the most gratitude, right? That you've actually achieved and accomplished something. Yes. Now I had a mom to write in and she actually asked this question, but she was saying that she had a financial advisor, but she didn't feel like she was getting educated. So she felt like she needed a planner. That's why I ask you if they were different because I guess they're just managing her portfolio, um, but they're not really educating her. So I don't know <laughs> what your advice would be. Should she should consider switching? I mean, to somebody who will actually educate her versus like you said, trying to push a sale or a product. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So, you know, they're, Probably the difference, and I don't know, um, so whoever that mom was, thank you for sending in that, that question. You know, I'm not really sure of the specifics, but you have what's called, um, you know, you have your sales agents who are out there trying to make a sale. Mm -hmm. And they may come off as being a financial advisor, a planner, whatever the case may be. Um, but really, they're just sales agents, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. You just have to understand who you're working with. And then you'll have what's called maybe a CFP, so a certified financial planner. And that's an individual who um, actually took a test. They have a designation that says they're a certified financial planner. And they took um, what's called a fiduciary, meaning a legal oath that says, you know, I have to do what's best for the client. So in that situation, so the difference between the sales agent in the fiduciary or the certified financial planner. The sales agent, they are working off of commission solely of the product that they sell. So some of them are really good. Some of them are just trying to make a living. Okay. But you don't pay them any money. They just get paid from the product that they sell you. Then you have the fiduciary or the certified financial planner where by oath, you know, they have to do what's best for you but you have to pay them to educate you. And then they're still going to get paid from the commission of the sale of whatever product that they sell you, you know? So, <laughs> you know, in the finance industry, everybody is getting paid, right? It's one of the most lucrative industries in the world. Um, it's a great industry to be in, but you really just got to understand what's taking place. So what I would recommend is if you can find a financial broker, 
that'll probably be your your best middle ground a financial broker and a broker is um a financial representative that has access to multiple companies to multiple products okay that'll probably be your best deal because they aren't worried about pushing one product or two products you know they are more concerned about representing you to the company that they partner with versus if they only have one product, they're just trying to sell you on whatever it is they have. That makes sense? Yeah, it makes so, sense. Yeah, so in, in that way, it can save you the money of, you know, paying for the planner, plus they're still going to get paid. You know, you can use that money you're going to pay them and save it and put it towards what you're actually investing in. Okay, awesome. Now, what about those moms who feel like they don't have a lot of money? Should they actually be trying to get a financial planner or advisor or broker <laughs> yep you want to know the funny part about that question you know a lot of people feel like they don't have a lot of money right right even people, people you know like <laughs> they don't have the money so they shouldn't have a planner right now until they actually get money but it's total opposite right so they yeah, like, start when they don't feel like they have money <laughs> right you know and, and, and everybody feels that way you know there's in one thing about our, our society our culture we all want more there's a, you know we always we want more we want more it's never enough you know you always want more so always say a lot is relative you know the thing that matters the most is that you need to get started you need to get started because if you don't get started, then guess what? You're never going to grow your money. And so I've had people say that to me, like, you know, I want to get my money in order first before I come sit down with you. And I'm just like, well, that is an oxymoron, right? You you come sit down with me because you're trying to get your money together. <laughs> you know, you don't wait until you get it together. And I always say, we don't qualify to give ourselves advice because if we qualify to give ourselves advice, we will already be where we want to be in life. For example, I don't qualify to give myself fitness advice because <laughs> if I did, I would, you know, have a six pack and be, you know, summer ready all year round. But that's why I hire a trainer because clearly I'm not doing it. So the same way when it comes to your finances, you know, if you aren't where you want to be financially, you don't have the capacity to change your situation. You need to go hire a coach, go sit down with somebody outside of yourself who can take an outward look in, um, meet the criteria that I explained before and help, you know, coach you to get where you, where you need to be. And, you know, you don't need a lot of money. Some of the investments that we do um, start with $10. My daughter is an investor and trust me, she has no money. She is truly my broke best friend. Okay. But you know, she's been investing since she was three years old. So it doesn't take a lot of money. It just takes being able to get started. Okay. Awesome. What are some things mom should look for when they're searching for that person that advisor or planner i know you've mentioned a few things what's some other things that they should look for should they look at experience should they look at client results or testimonials like what does that look like what should they be looking for the, the biggest thing you know you can look at experience that that helps that certainly does help mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that it's going to be right though you know i know a lot of older more seasoned financial planners that are very mm -hmm. stuck in their ways and, you know, the finance industry upgrades and revolutionizes every so often. Mm -hmm. So the same way, you know, you wouldn't be caught with a Nokia cell phone that has snake on it, you know, in the year 2020, you know, some of the, the older, more seasoned people are very stuck in their way. They're very structured, right? What works for them works for them. There was even a report that was coming out 
um, I was looking at today that was uh, questioning if Warren Buffett, who, if you aren't familiar with Warren Buffett, he rates between the top one to three wealthiest men in the world. You know, they were questioning, is his investing strategy out of date? You know, does it still work in 2020? Mm -hmm. And he has been the, you know, go-to guru. So just because they're seasoned um, and have been around longer, doesn't necessarily make them better. What I would say really focus on besides those other things is do you feel comfortable with the person? You know, when my clients sit down with me, we laugh, we cry, we joke, (laughs) you know, I know all the the ins and outs and that's where you're going to be able to get the most help. You know, where you can lay everything out on the table and be able to really have that person understand your life, your habits, your mentality, and develop a plan for you to move you to the next level. If you don't feel comfortable with the person, you don't want to tell them about, you know, what, you, what really happens where you're, with your money, where it really goes, what you're really spending it on, then you probably want to find somebody else. But most people in the industry, they do have to get licensed. I will say the financial industry is a highly regulated industry. Um, they have to have some sort of license with the state, um, some of them with federal, the federal government. So it is a very regulated industry, a highly scrutinized industry. Um, so again, you don't have to worry about somebody taking advantage of you. You want to make sure they're at least licensed, a licensed professional, and that you feel comfortable with that person and you feel like they're meeting your needs. Okay, that's good advice. What are some things single moms actually need to build wealth? Now we talked about investing. We talked about, you know, the life insurance and protecting the money source and reducing liabilities. But what do they actually need outside of that? Anything else? Yeah, so a lot a lot of it now at, at that point, once you have the foundation in order, mm-hmm. now it's just understanding the different vehicles that you have access to. and how to diversify your portfolio. So a lot of people have access to investments that they aren't fully maxing out or using to their greatest potential. So for example, if you have a deferred comp plan at your job, a 401k, a 403b, a 457, something of that nature, that is actually um, a, a IRS tax code that has investments inside of it. So you may be thinking like, I need to go invest in the stock market when your retirement account is already in the stock market. You just need to understand what, you know, what's in it. You need to be, you know, going to your HR and asking them to put you in contact with the person, um, whatever investment firm they're using to get you a prospectus so that you can start to understand what stocks are in there. You know, you can invest in real estate through your deferred comp retirement plans at your job. You don't have to go out and save money and get a real estate investment property. You already have that option, you know, but you just need the education on what to do. And that's where a lot of the focus should be. And the other thing about moms, and I, I love this about moms, um, and um, we always have this tough conversation is that um, sometimes as a mom and especially a single mom, we put a lot of focus and emphasis on our children. So I'll have a mom come to me and say, you know what, I want to start investing for my son. I want to start investing for my daughter. But yet they don't invest themselves. Yes. Yeah. Right. And so so many times. Yeah. Like we want so much for our kids, like, you know, and that we forget to live our lives. And we have to be very conscious and cognizant that our children don't do what we say do. Right. Think about all the advice 
that your parents told you don't do something and you still actually went and did it, okay? Children don't listen to what you say. Children do what you do. So have you ever noticed, Kim, how like people who are doctors, their children naturally become doctors? Mm-hmm. Um, or people who are business owners or entrepreneurs, their children become business owners. Or if they worked at a certain company, their children will follow in their path. Or if they sit at home all day on the porch, then their children might follow suit, <laughs> right? We as human beings, we innately want to do better than our parents. The moment we reach the level that we've done better than our parents, we feel successful, right? My daughter said that to me the other day. Like, she's like, I'm going to be a better mommy than you. I'm like, great. You are on track, right? <laughs> we, we, <laughs> perfect. You know, we ought to, you know, from a young age, we, our level of success, the bar, the standard for success is set by our parents. We just want to be better than that. So if you don't raise the bar, if you aren't investing, if you don't understand money, if you aren't, you know, bettering yourself, your children are not going to want to exceed or escape that bar. So as a mom, the best thing you can do is go do it yourself. You invest first, right? Then it will just become, it will become second nature for your children. You learn about money then you can teach that and pass that down to them. You get rid of your debts. You, you know, get a hold of Sally Mae. You go do those things first. You travel the world first. They will follow suit. That's good. You know, I had a therapist on the podcast. Um, She has, I guess, a, a large client base of adolescents, and she always talks about modeling behavior. So I know that's really true, <laughs> what you're saying. Yes. Yes. Should their investing be automated or... Um, should they, because you know, like some people talk about actually watching the stock market, right? Or looking at their portfolios every so often. But I feel like if they do have like an advisor or a person who's in charge of that, then it is kind of automated or is it still like manual? Yeah. So when it comes to um, a few things, one, do not watch the stock market every day. Okay. Do not watch the stock market every single day. You know, you are in this for the long haul. Okay. The stock market is going to have its ups. It's going to have its downs, you know, just the way the wind is going to blow east and then the wind is going to blow west. Like you're not going to be sitting there licking your finger like which way is the wind blowing? And that's the way you walk. Like you're going to go about your daily life. However, yes, at least once a quarter, you should be checking your portfolio. Mm -hmm. Even if you have a financial advisor, even if you have um, a a portfolio manager, while you are in certain accounts, you know, you do pay them a fee to manage it. It is still your responsibility. I see far too often so many clients, they sit down and say, oh, I have this thing that somebody gave me, you know, that I got, you know, 30 years ago. I've never looked at it. And then when we go look at it, I'm like, well, did you realize you lost $20,000? Did you realize that you made $100,000? Like, did you realize, like, you know, and they're like, no, I don't understand anything about it. Because we give that responsibility to whoever the advisor, the portfolio manager, the asset manager is. When, again, yes, you know, it's their job to manage it, but it's still your job to understand it. They work for you you are paying them, especially in like your mutual funds, your retirement accounts, so forth. Um, you know, in, in a 401k alone, there are like, you know, over 12 different fees. 
inside. You're paying these people. You need to be putting them to work. But the only way you can put them to work is if you actually understand what they do. If not, you know, they're getting paid to sit there for free. Right. <laughs> not do any work. <laughs> they are collecting and not doing much, you know. So um, that's what I'll say about that. As far as like automating your investing, it's a lot easier to save and invest when it happens automatically because it takes away the pain stimuli of, you know, I have to move this money or transfer this money. Nobody likes that feeling. But if something is happening automatically, it actually doesn't register mentally. It's the same sort of reaction. And I'm not a psychologist, even though I did study psychology, right? But think about it this way. If you have a $20 bill and you break that $20 bill, don't you go looking for it? Aren't you searching? And you're like, I know I got change left somewhere. You know, there's a dollar somewhere. Like, did I really spend all of that money? It, it registers mentally versus if you're just swiping your debit card or your credit card and then you overdraft your account accidentally, you're like, I didn't even realize that I was spending that much money right? Because it doesn't register mentally. So a lot of um, the way the economy is set up today, especially when it comes to purchasing and spending, they try to reduce the amount of stimuli that get triggered that says, hey, I'm actually spending money, right? Do you notice that it's a lot easier to spend money online than it is in a store? Right. In a store, yes. you might think about it, but online, you just click you it and put it Add to cart. <laughs> You know, um, I was talking to a, a group of pastors and we were talking about um, like during the whole COVID time, how, um, you know, they've seen an increase in giving. I said, yes, because people have to give, you know, remotely versus when, you, you know, you're in church. <laughs> That's in the bucket. You might, yeah. You know, if you're in church, you might be like, Lord, my pastor here it is, you know, you be like, oh, like you pull out a 20 or a dollar. You'd be like, oh, you know, which one do I want to do. But if it's online, if you're just cash apping then oh it's like no big deal because you don't you don't actually feel or experience that emotion so when it comes to saving and investing you want it to be the same way i always say you should automate the things you don't like to do and the things that you like to do you should do in cash <laughs> so that way you can actually experience it and you can um, regulate how much money you're spending that's good. That's good. So we've talked about, you know, investing, but I want to ask this one question about, you know, building a legacy or starting our estate planning. Can you talk about that a little bit? What does that look like for single moms? Should we actually be doing that now? Yes. So um, everybody has an estate. And, and what I mean by estate, an estate is everything that you own and everything you have an interest in. Okay. That is all included in your estate. And so especially as a single parent, as a single mom, it's very important to start planning for your child's future. You know, I mentioned it earlier and I said, you know, I never want my daughter to be a Cinderella, Cinderella story. And part of that is, you know, I never also want her to become a ward of the state, you know, and if you don't have a will in place, what happens is the state, if you were to pass away prematurely while your child is still young or not of age and you don't have a will in place, the state will then determine 
who gets guardianship of your child. And that's a big deal because you may want, you know, your child to go with your parent or to go with their father or to go with a sister or something like that. But when you're no longer here, you don't have a say. And so now the state is going to be the one who decides who gets guardianship. And so your child can very well end up with someone that you would have never had that desire for them. Because at that point, you know, they're just making a case. So I'll, I'll reference something. I don't know all the details, but, um, you know, when you look at Nipsey Hussle, okay, um, yes, he had life insurance. But one thing that was a little bit unclear was his will, right? Did he have one? Didn't he have one? So forth. So there was a huge custody battle with his daughter. And it was his daughter's mom against Nipsey Hussle's sister in court. And the mom lost. Can you imagine? My God. Can you imagine not having guardianship of the child that you birthed? I couldn't imagine going through that. But now it's up to the courts. And so the courts can grant guardianship based on who they think, you know, is more financially stable or whatever the case may be. It doesn't mean that it's what's best for the child. But if you don't have those things in place, then you, you know, give that right up. You turn that over to the state to decide. Um, same thing that, you know, that happens with what you would want, you know, as far as your house or what your business or whatever you have passing down. So, you know, at minimum, every single um, parent, every single mom should have a will just for the guardianship standpoint. And, you know, that's something I was never taught. I never like, no one ever said when you have a daughter, oh, assign guardianship. You know, we always say, my family knows what I want. Somebody will take care of them. But that's not true. They may not have that right to decide. Um, you actually turn it over to the state. So it's just far better to have that in place than to not. Yeah. Wow. So what about the difference between between a will and a living will. Okay, so you have what's called a living will, and then you have um, your 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 irrevocable will. Okay, and so a living will is um, a document that you create while you're still living. Very simple. And then sometimes you have a will that gets enacted upon death. So once you pass away, then there's a certain set of instructions that will you left that will create a will, and that more so turns into a trust than a will. Okay, mm -hmm. now do we need both at this current time or is just the will good enough yeah it depends it depends that's the answer you know and so <laughs> you actually sit down and see it depends you know everybody needs a will eventually you will need a trust mm -hmm. a will gives you some control over what happens to your estate. Um, a trust will give you total control. However, with the trust, you need to be able to fund a trust, meaning that you have to put real property into a trust, whether that is, you know, a house, a mortgage, a deed, a business, um, a life insurance policy. You have to actually put a, an a asset into a trust. It has to be funded. So if you haven't reached that point yet, it may not make the most sense um, with the the fees that come along with that, but everyone definitely should have a will and you should eventually be graduating to a trust. Let's all have trust fund babies. That's what it said what it is. It's very simple. <laughs> yes. Awesome. So did you have anything else that you wanted to share with the moms today before we end this? It's over already. <laughs> so fast. Um, you know, what, what I'll say is this, you know, don't be intimidated by money and never let anybody label you. You know, your superpower is the fact that, you know, you are raising a child by yourself, meaning that as a female, as a mom, as a single mom, you 
can do anything. You can do anything. And so never let anybody place a label on you. You are just as worthy to have wealth, to save, to be out of debt, you know, not to be living paycheck to paycheck as anybody else, if not more deserving. And so you can do that. Get yourself surrounded with some like-minded people who are going where you want to go, that are going to challenge you, um, that are going to help you put into place your future. A lot of times we can only see what's right before us and we feel like we have so much to prove to the world. Mm -hmm. But get them. They don't pay your bills. They are not building a life, you know, for you and your child. You know, I know I used to feel the pressure of, you know, I, I need to have my daughter, you know, just look so well put together and designer decked out and all these things because, you know, it, it helped make up for some of the way that I allow society to make me feel as being a single mom. Mm -hmm. I wanted to show the world I was doing it. Let me tell you something. What's really doing it is the fact that she invests, she knows and understands about money. Um, yes, she still looks decent, but that's not her goal. That's not her focus. You know, was, what was more important was me being able to purchase a home for us, put her in one of the best school districts in the country. You know, that was more important and you can do that. So just get yourself around some like-minded people, get financially educated, get financially lit. Yes. Okay? <laughs> and, and, and do it. Do you know you can do it? You are worthy of doing it. There's nothing that's different than you from anybody else. That's good. Let everybody know where they can find you and connect. And if customers or clients anywhere can actually sign up for financially lit, or if they actually have to be in your state. Yep. So we are actually national. So you can find us, you can visit our website youngandfinanciallylit.com hey. that is a lot you know then you can go to y and y so the letter y the word and the letters fl.com you can catch us there you can follow us on instagram young and financially lit you can follow us on twitter underscore y and fl we work with clients all over the state as far as providing financial literacy my private practice firm in which we actually implement and uh, create financial strategies we also work with clients in all 50 states we can make sure that we get you someone that is you know meets your needs that is suitable for you that's going to understand what it's like to be in your shoes but show you how to get out of that um we are a broker so we partner with over 240 different companies so it's never you know a one-size-fits-all solution awesome thank you so much i really appreciate it this has been great i'll link your information in the show notes too that way everybody can see it there Yep. And one more thing before I go. Hey, yeah. go order, go pre-order our ebook um, from youngandfinanciallylit.com. Five steps to reignite your finances. I'm literally sharing with you, you know, the five things that I did to go from living in my grandma's house to, um, you know, leaving my six-figure job, being able to own real estate in some of the most desirable areas, um, start my own farm, build my own business. I'm sharing with you in that book. And also you can purchase your Young and Financially Lit gear to let your yeah. inward finance um confidence show on the outside and it's pretty cool so go check it out on the website i love it thank you so much all right i hope you enjoyed this episode i know saida dropped a lot of gems i should have told you in the beginning to have your pencil and paper ready but i totally forgot so hopefully you pause it got your pencil and paper and you took some good notes if we are not connected on social media please go ahead and follow me 
on Instagram at Single Black Motherhood. You can like the page on Facebook, Single Black Motherhood. And as always, feel free to DM me and let me know what you thought about the episode. Leave us a review. Share with another mom friend or a family member that you know need this information. You can visit the website, singleblackmotherhood.com. And you can join our private community, singleblackmotherhood.com forward slash community. Until the next episode, I will talk to you later. Bye.